I'm Katie Heisen, and welcome to You're Too Much, the podcast where I ask funny people to have overly honest conversations with me. Today, I'm speaking with my friend, Tariva Crumstoffer, who is, and I'm not biased, a crazy talented actress, dancer, performer, who has been giving me life with her blunt honesty and humor for over five years. Yeah. <laughs> Tariva, you said you wanted to have an overly honest conversation about leaving the evangelical church. Mm. You still ready for that? Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> I guess so. I'm here. Okay. I nowhere to go, so. <laughs> You're trapped in this recording <laughs> exactly. booth. It's a small space. Um, I guess we should start by um, asking, like, when you say the phrase, the evangelical church, what do you mean by it? Um, honestly, I guess I mean, there, I guess there are a few more descriptors, like the white evangelical church. <laughs> yes. Um, but yeah, so I mean the, the charismatic, um, Holy Ghost filled Pentecostal, mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> evangelical church that, you know, focuses on the idea that our mission in life is to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ uh, to all corners of the earth um, and all of, you know, everything that that entails, all of the colonialism and... <laughs> Ooh, getting spicy already. I yeah, like yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, um, It's that. When you think of the American church, I think that that's kind of what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Were you, did you grow up in that or do you, did you enter that? Um, yeah, I entered that. Um surprisingly willingly. Um, (laughs) But yeah, so I grew up in the Black Baptist Church um, from Miami. And um, that was kind of my um, first exposure to religion and spirituality. Um, I would say that I was very culturally Christian. So um, we did all of the things that we're supposed to do. We went to church, we prayed, we tithed, we were baptized. Um, But there was definitely a, a component of deep faith, deep-rooted faith that was missing from my life all growing up while I was um, kind of doing the spirituality and religion that my parents had passed on to me. And so when I came to college, I I was going through this, you know, spiritual awakening, and I really wanted to deepen my relationship with Christ. And so I decided to join an organization that seemed to be really hardcore in that. And... Um, Thus began my journey. <laughs> <laughs> what what was appealing about, I guess, about the evangelical church in general, but especially about the organization that initially drew you in? Mm-hmm. Um, I think that <clears throat> as I think a lot of people that I know who are kind of in the same uh, space that I'm in now, the appeal is always the community. Um, especially, you know, I was coming into college. I had no friends. I was leaving my family behind. And so there was this appeal that there was this spectacular community of believers and they did cool things together and they prayed together and they worshiped together and they just spent all of their freaking time together. <laughs> um, and, you know, pros and cons. Uh, I only saw the pros of that. And um, so, yeah, there was definitely the 
the the opportunity to feel fill the void of loneliness that you're feeling when mm-hmm. you are first coming onto a campus um, and then also coming onto a campus as a black girl from Miami, you know, where I believe at that time UF was maybe like 7% black. Um, it was a very, very low and sad statistic. Yeah. Um, and so having the opportunity where people were so ready and willing to open their arms to me and say, yeah, like this is a safe space, you know, mm-hmm. um, I was really drawn to that. So. Was it were there black people in this organization or was it predominantly white? It was predominantly white. However, when I <laughs> Oh no, we're, we're about to go into the Yeah, it's about to get a little bit uncomfortable. Okay. Um, <laughs> Perfect. I think that organizations like this are very strategic in how they present themselves, especially to student minority students. And so when I went to the big, you know, kind of uh, open opening night, open house. I don't know, like first big like worship session or whatever, get to know the new students and stuff. Um, you know, the black students were, were out in front and they were uh, socializing and greeting me. Mm-hmm. And um, as I... As I later became more involved in the organization, I realized that there were strategies. I don't think that there they were ill. There was no ill intention. It wasn't like, okay, well, you know, we got to get the black girls in. It right. was more like, hey, you know, we want students of color to feel comfortable. So when you see a student of color, help them feel comfortable. Um, so, hmm. yeah, so I instantly connected with some of the black students that were there. Um, and it's because they they sought me out um, and, you know, and I actually had very genuine friendships with them. Um, but, yeah, so there was a place of uh, community and belonging and a place where I felt like I could really explore and deepen my relationship with Christ. And I just really wanted to be a good person. I think that's what we all kind of want. We want the affirmation that we are good people and that um, – <laughs> You know, like we're gonna go to heaven and, and get a gold star at the end, <laughs> and uh, and so yeah, so it was just really, I don't know, it felt like a very safe space, and it felt like a space where I could really grow in that, and that's what I was looking for. So, how how long did it feel just like good for? Um, I think that there are always ups and downs with any space that you're in, um, and so I think that. I always had questions and I think I got to a place eventually, uh, it took a lot longer than I'm proud of, but I got to a place eventually where my questions were no longer being answered. There was not sufficient um, reasonings or anything like that to support the questions and the discomforts that I had. Um, But I think that I, I began having questions and discomforts quite quite instantly um, when there were just certain cultural norms that were, uh, that I didn't agree with. There were cultural norms that did not affirm my own cultural norms, you know, being an African-American woman, being from Miami. um, I felt very much like my cultural expression of myself needed to be numbed down in order Mm -hmm. for me to be a good Christian. Mm. And I think that's when the discomfort started and they just kind of bubbled and brewed for several years until I exploded. <laughs> <laughs> what, can you give some examples of 
um, like specific norms or ways that you felt like you had to tone yourself down? Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, okay. I'll think of, I'll try to think of just a few. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I think one um, was the expectation of, of women. Um, so there was always this, this hullabaloo about women preaching and like it was a big deal like women preaching women teaching it was a big deal as if like it needed to be affirmed like it needed to be said that women can do this like we can find scripture that supports this and I'm like what the hell oh can I cut can I say yes really mubby so yeah <laughs> so I was like you know what what the heck is going on here um why is this even a big deal um why is this something that we are that we have to like fight through. And I'm naturally someone who really enjoys teaching. My degree was in, in education. Um, and so it was really nice that this organization was fighting to make that happen and to make that a norm. But I didn't understand why it wasn't already a norm. Mm. Um, and I think also there was uh, the issue of sex and sexuality and how that is expressed and even things as simple as opposite sex friendships. Um, I am, I mean, you know, like I just like having fun. I like having friends. I like interacting with people. And there were all of these restrictions um, and such a heavy and strange emphasis on being sexually pure and not doing this and not doing that so that you're always like keeping your purity. Um, and because of that, I saw and, you know, in hindsight, um, I have seen a lot of people just become super ill-equipped in handling their day-to-day -day interactions and their careers and their everyday lives because they don't know how to interact with people of the opposite sex because they're mm -hmm. terrified. You know, they won't go on business meetings with some of the someone of the opposite sex because they're terrified of how it's going to go or how it's going to be perceived. Um, and so there are all of these cultural norms that kind of, um, I don't know, reduced you in a lot of ways um, to a mistake waiting to happen hmm. is what I feel like. It was always like, don't do this and don't do that and have these really strong, um, rigid lines around you so that you don't fuck up, you know? Hmm. Did coming from outside that setting, I'm coming into it, did you feel like the, f the fact that they were addressing all these things was a red flag like when you're saying they have to say it's okay for women to preach mm -hmm. that was like a red flag of why i mean now i i would think that now uh -huh. if i if i heard someone younger than me um saying those things i'd be like hey come here run away um but i think <laughs> then i thought oh my gosh, they know so much more about scripture mm. than I do. I'm in this academic setting mm -hmm. with these people who have been following Jesus for decades, you mm -hmm. know. Um, obviously, they know more than I do. So I'm going to humble myself mm. and receive their authority and their wisdom, um, you know, which has all sorts of that's so dangerous in a lot of situations. Um, but yeah, like I really believed that I should trust them because I thought that they knew more than I did. Um, and the entirety of this particular organization and and some parts of evangelicalism, I think, are rooted in academia. Mm -hmm. um, and so there is this, you know, 
deep study of scripture and, you know, we are using Bible commentaries and we are using, you know, like translating directly from Greek. And, um, and so you, you become insecure with your understanding of your own spirituality and your own peace and your own in- intuition. And you begin to slowly give that into the hands of other people. Hmm. Yeah. It's, it's almost like, um, a form a form of spirituality that gives you know a perception that the people with the answers there are people who have answers and right. then they have power exactly yeah exactly. do you think do you think religious organizations or spiritual communities like that are inherently um dangerous or inherently kind of easy to corrupt that way or do you think it's a could be a good thing and we just mess it up hmm. <laughs> <laughs> well um i think i think that everything i think that there is all there could always be a benefit of okay no with mm. most things there are pros and cons i will start there at at the PC answer. Um, I don't discredit organized religion. I think that there are some really good aspects to it. Um, I think that for me in particular, what I am coming out of that, what I believe is that spirituality and truth is something that is accessible to everyone and it should be accessible Mm -hmm. to everyone. And I think that when something is um, kind of primed in the I don't know, like it's kind of given to you as if, as if like someone else, just what you said, like someone else or some other group of people have all of the answers and their job is to spread the answers all mm-hmm. over the earth. Um, that that instantly puts a hierarchy um, into the universe of people. It instantly gives one group of people power. It instantly gives one group of people knowledge. It instantly gives one group of people a moral compass that other groups of people don't have. And so there is always these kinds of factions and just strangeness that happens. And so I personally believe now that that truth, um, the things that we're supposed to follow are probably accessible to us through things that we already have inside of us. Um, And I think that for me, that is that has brought a lot of clarity and a lot of peace um, because it makes me feel um, I don't know, like I think it makes me feel like I don't have to rely on anyone else to tell me that I am good. I don't have to rely on anyone else to tell me the things that I have to do in order to be good. I can follow the things that I already have inside of me um, and the truth that already exists in me that that guides me and helps me to love people well and to love myself well and to love the earth well. Um, and, and all of those things are tenets of Christianity and of most organized religions. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't think that I needed to go through hmm. the church in order to figure that out. And I don't think that people in other countries and, you know, other (laughs) continents. We don't need colonialism and westernized interpretations of spirituality to bring them to that truth. Right, because those two histories were so intertwined. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Mm -hmm. and it's interesting. It's interesting that we still keep up these institutions and particularly white people are still engaging in the the same institutions that perpetuated colonialism and slavery, but acting like 
that part of the history didn't happen or it's a separate thing. Yeah, yeah. Do you feel like, you know, because you're mentioning having this different spirituality in a different way you engage in it now Mm -hmm. and you mentioned before um they drew all these lines around um sex and sexuality Mm -hmm. or cultural norms all these kind of things um have those areas changed since leaving the church do you feel like you've changed the way you perceive yourself like culturally sexually um all of those things yeah i mean i think for starters um you know i'm a mom now and so i definitely think that something just clicks in your head after babies come out of your vagina like (laughs) (laughs) you know you're like whoa like and and so i think that what i'm growing in now is that like i am a sexual being and I know like that sounds like bizarre but I think that there is a part of me that's that's acutely aware that like I am a sensual and sexual being and that that part of me can be expressed mm-hmm. um outside of my intimate time with my husband um and that part of me is just part of me mm-hmm. um so you know I love a good twerk session girl. and so it you know it's 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 not confined to inside of my bedroom now when I'm with my girlfriends and we're like kind of hiding and like, oh my yeah. God, we're, we're shaking our asses. Like, no, if I want to shake my ass in public, I'm going to shake my ass in public, you know? <laughs> yeah. um, and so I think that just feeling free to express myself, all of myself, you know, and the, the full capacity of who I am as a woman, who I am as a black woman, um, knowing that that dance is a huge part mm-hmm. of my culture and a huge part of my cultural expression, especially like being an artist. Um, it's been it's been such a wild freedom for me to not have the to not have the pressure of like feeling shame and guilt and that I'm not a good representation mm. of, of these, of Christ, which is really, you know, the norms <laughs> of like, <laughs> right, 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 right. But also, I mean, what that really means is not being a good representation of white culture. Yes. Um, and like, I'm done right. with that shit, you know, yeah. like, cause I, I, I don't want to represent you, you cause that's not me. Oh. Um, and so there, I think that there were all of these, um, ways that the evangelical church in particular kind of promotes and perpetuates um, cultural assimilation. Mm-hmm. And um, and so all of that is tied into these religious and spiritual issues that I have. And I haven't really untangled all of it, but I know that I feel such freedom now yeah. with being who I am and with dropping a good old F-bomb when that's the best word. <laughs> you know Amen. what I mean? If it's the best descriptor, it's the best descriptor. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I just think that I have some, I have so much more freedom in choosing my friendships. Um, mm-hmm. I have more freedom in choosing the types of artistic um, opportunities that I take. And it, I yeah, like I just don't know how else to explain it except it has been the most transformative and like the best way possible. It's, mm-hmm. it's been the most transformative decision that I've ever made. Yeah. Um, and I will say this too, like I think that one of the biggest things that I've benefited, benefited from is that how you say benefited? You're nailing it. <laughs> you got this. Um, is that um, I feel a lot more free in choosing my friendships. I think that there is this weird control that the church had on who um, 
who members of the church or who members of whatever religious organizations that you're part of, who you befriend. Um, and they're always kind of felt like there was a, an agenda when you were choosing friendships. So if you chose to befriend someone outside of the church, it was to invite them to Easter Sunday Oof. service, or it yeah. was to get them to come to Bible study, or it was to spread the good news because you see that there is some deficit in their mm. life, you know, mm-hmm. which, you know, it's all sorts of fucked up. Um, and and now I can just be friends with people. And, and this is the killer right here, is that all of the friends, most of the friends that I made within the church um, who we were friends because we did some kind of mission together, you know, like we were serving alongside each other. Where the fuck are you? I don't know where <laughs> they are right now. Like legit, you know what I mean? Like yeah. I'm not friends with those people. I was literally looking at a picture of my birthday from four years ago and I am <sighs> not friends with any of those people that I went bowling with. I'm not friends with any of them. And, you know, we were so close and we were so intertwined, but it was all based on the goods that we were doing and the 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 service that I was providing. And the friendships that I have now that are not rooted in the church, they are rooted in me making connections with people because we genuinely enjoy doing the same things and um, just enjoy each other's company. Like, those are people who are involved in my life and who care about me and who are checking on me and don't care if I do a show with them or not. They're still, you know, wanting to know how I'm doing. And so it's really wild how those perceptions of, like, friendships and communities are, they're very twisted and Mm it's... um, it's very much based on an exchange of of goods and services, wow. you know. Yeah. It's it's ironic that you went you joined initially because of the community, mm-hmm. but it's been in in leaving that that you found like real, real friendship, yeah, yeah, and yeah. kind of figured out what friendships were. For sure. Um I'm interested in the deci- I feel like there are probably a lot of people still in the church who are right at that line or kind of flirting with the idea of Mm -hmm. leaving or um, dissociating from it. Disassociating? (laughs) Dissociating? My turn. Um, So I guess I'm really interested in that, that point for you. Like, do you remember what the last straw was? Who? Um... Okay, so this might start to get deep and emotional because I literally just sent an apology DM (laughs) to someone because of the impact that I realized that I had on their life. Um, So uh, it, it, it was a slow build, but I think the thing that was the most impactful that made me really question, what am I doing here, was, um, I was involved in a church and there was um, a student that I was kind of in leadership over. And um, she went to this retreat at the church and basically during the retreat, they informed her that essentially they didn't use these words, but she needed to be more straight. She needed to be more Mm -hmm. hetero. Um, and so they bought her clothes that were more feminine. No. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <gasps> and 
they prayed over her. Oh, um, and, you know, there were all of these things that were like praying to break this, this spirit of mm. homosexuality and all of these things. It's really disgusting. And I remember sitting down with the pastor and I was just outraged. Like I was outraged. And there was a part of me that felt in my outrage, I was also extremely ashamed because I was a part of this. Right. I was a part of this agenda. Um, and even though I was there kind of sharing my outrage, my participation in the church, my participation in preaching this doctrine, mm-hmm. um, my participation in helping her to pray through things and, and not just telling her like, girl, it's okay, just go right. do you, you know? Yeah. Um, I encouraged that. And I think that was the first time that I felt the extreme weight and guilt of I am mm-hmm. I am treading in territory that I have no idea what I'm doing. You know, yeah. and I was also very young at that time and given way too much power and leadership over people who were basically within my peer group. Right. Um so yeah, I think that that was the first thing. Um after that, there were other things that I noticed, I noticed that um my church was very monocultural, even though they they preached and really, quote unquote, celebrated diversity. Um, we still sang all of the contemporary Christian music songs, you know, like there was there's very little diversity in music. Um, and I began to to realize how stuck I felt. I felt like I was not being myself and I had no idea who I actually was. I mean, I'm just at the point where I feel like I'm figuring that out. But I just remember feeling like I was always like a poser, you know. And then one day I was sitting down and I hadn't had like quiet time, you know, in like, I don't know, well over a year. And I decided to pick up the Bible and I read um, the story about, um, now I'm forgetting it, like Isaac and and. Jacob, is that no? Is that the right thing? He takes his son up. You You're forgot asking to. the wrong Ooh, you person. <laughs> but yeah, so the story of I think this is it. But Isaac, you know, he takes his son up, and he's supposed to basically sacrifice his son to prove his devotion to God. And I have two kids, and I could have been high uh. off of like breastfeeding hormones and all of that stuff. Long time to read yeah, that story yeah, yeah. or right time. Right. But I was like, what the fuck? This does not sound like the kind of being that I want to worship. If yeah. if the being that I want to worship does not like because if you think about it in any other relationship and and I want to be clear I am not trying to persuade anyone to leave the church. Do you find your own way, your own truth, your own path? Do whatever works for you. I'm I'm stuck in the unknown right now. So, I mean, there, there are cons to that, too. I think that there's beauty to that, but I'm not trying to dissuade anyone from what they believe. This is just my own, my own experiences. You know, if you were to think about that in any other context, you know, or relationship, if my husband said to me, baby, kill that guy that you think is really cute <laughs> to prove yourself to me. But even in the context of, like, my children, I, the fact that like, to pr- I have to prove something to a being that mm. is filled with love and compassion mm. and truth and knows my heart, it sounded like something I couldn't abide by. And mm-hmm. I think that that was the biggest 
thing. I was just like, oh my God, like looking at that from such different eyes, from such fresh sight of being a mom, um, it sounded really crazy to me. Um, And I think after that, there were several other just parables that I had kind of always taken as just, you know, taking them on as face on face value that I began to question. And I think they just felt less right to me. They felt um, they felt like man-made um, standards. And I think that I, I know that I truly believe that there is something out there, whether it's an energy source or I don't know what it is, but I know that there is there is good out there. And I know that I believe that something exists, but I don't know if I believe that it is what I have been taught. Mm. So do you... Do you still identify at all with the Black Baptist Church? Do you have less hesitations about that? Um, I, I mean, I, I believe that the Black Baptist Church, um, is a very important institution. I think that without it, there, there would be a lot of, a lot of Black people without a place to belong. Um, I think that the Black Baptist Church has for me been extremely impactful in um, affirming my voice and affirming my expression, the ways that I express myself inside and and outside of church, um, and the things that I care about and um, in maintaining the importance of community and the hierarchies of respect that exist within Black culture. Um, artistically, the music is bomb. You won't find better <laughs> church music than like in the Black Baptist That's Church. Um, and so I think that I think that it's still impactful for me. Um, there are some doctrines that I still disagree with. I mean, there's a lot of doctrines because I don't know where I fit right now, religiously or spiritually. Um, but yeah, I think that there are there are problematic doctrines in the Black Baptist Church as well. Outside of you know the use of scripture, there are certain cultural norms within the church that are extremely damaging, especially to um, people who you know are not cis identifying. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's I think that the Black Baptist Church has had a huge negative impact, especially on Black men um, and on their expression of their sexuality. Um, so you know there. Are, there are some some flaws everywhere you go. Pick them and <laughs> there'll be flaws there. What I feel like what's cool that I hear in all these things you're saying is that it just sounds like you had a lot of ignored dissonance. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like ignored cognitive dissonance of like having to do mental gymnastics to kind of like go along with a whole set of doctrine and ideas and right. pretend that it all fit together. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I hear when you talk now is and where part of that freedom might have come from is just like you're you're using your own experience and your Mm -hmm. intuition and your gut and what makes sense for Mm -hmm. you and I hear a lot less dissonance now yeah yeah thank you for that I am am doing the work going to therapy I will I mean I will say like you as your friend like it's just cool to see you thriving um is there anything that you miss about it that you feel like you haven't found outside the church? Um, hmm. I, I, it's going to sound petty as fuck. 
<laughs> my favorite. I don't miss Jack. Shit. <laughs> I don't. I don't think that there's anything that I miss. Um, I think that. I think that one of the things that has been difficult for me is I do feel a little bit of guilt about not providing um, a, a spiritual schedule or spiritual regu- regularity for my children. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think that it's, I mean, this could be just my, you know, very traditional values poking through, but I think that it would be beneficial for them to have something um, that I could incorporate into their daily routines so that they have some type of groundedness. Um, but I think that as I learn what those routines and disciplines will be for myself, I think that I can impart them, you know, uh, mm-hmm. to them. Um, and I think that, but on the flip side of that, I think that just being able to have spiritual conversations with my children and letting them know they're, and answering questions with, I don't know, You know, Mm -hmm. instead of pointing them to, like, scripture and trying to make them understand that. Like, a lot of questions, I just say, I have no idea. Maybe we should think about that together. It's Um, so powerful. Yeah, and it's it's really cool, and it's I feel like it's giving us a lot of opportunities to bond and to grow together. Um, And I think also just having the space where, you know, I still pray over them. I don't know what I'm praying to. Like, (laughs) I don't, but, you know, like, just putting that energy over them of saying, you know, like, I wish you well. I want you to live a long, healthy life full of freedom and love. And I want you to be courageous. And I, you know, I pray that like all of these things would be so, you know, that's how I pray for them now. Um, And I think the energy of that, I sound like so hippie, but I think the energy of that will cover them and sustain them and will lead them to find the spiritual truth that that they want and that they Mm -hmm. need and that will best guide them. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, so on one hand, I wish I could like have like, we're going to have quiet time now, you know, but that's also because I'm just a type A person and I wish that I had like more routines, but also I really enjoy having brunch on Sundays and a good mimosa and not having to go. Yeah. Not having to go to 1115 service and sit through that. And I think that I actually have like more quality time with my family. So do you think, do you think your kids have noticed the shift? Um, I think my oldest has, he definitely has, um, he, so he's six now and he, when he first began going to school, he was going to a private preschool that wasn't necessarily because we wanted him to be imparted with any particular wisdom, but because it was the best school, um, that we could find for him at the time. Um, and so during that time though, we were also going to church and so he would go, you know, to the kids service, um, and then that stopped very quickly because that's kind of when I hit my breaking point. Um, but he was still going to, to school and he had chapel at school and he would learn Bible stories and we were still kind of reading him, you know, scripture at night and stuff like that. Um, but I don't think that it was substantial enough what he was receiving from mm-hmm. school besides like a good moral, you know, a good a good moral you know, <laughs> gift of, you know, don't hit, don't steal, you know, love your mom and your dad. And like, I think that for those basics, we teach him those things anyway, yeah. you know. Um, and I think that teaching him to, we still kind of have conversations about God and about what's happening out there in the universe, you know. And a lot of those conversations are, I don't know. And I just had a conversation recently with him and I said, you know, Kai, like, what do you think? Like, do you think, who do you think watches over us? You know, do you think it's like God or 
do you think it's like aliens? You know, it's just kind of be, being like silly to see what he would think. Yeah. And he's like, Mommy, I have no idea. Really? Yeah, he yeah, yeah. He's like, I have no idea. Wow. He's like, I mean, I think there's probably something, but I'm just not sure what wow. it is. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I feel the same way. Did you, you ever know? say that in front I of him? I never said that, that to him, own? no. You know what's beautiful about that is that you, I feel like your humility and honesty, especially in areas of spirituality, is probably giving him permission to be honest in a way that m- most kids, if if your parents have any kind of tradition, don't get that chance. Right, right. So that's really cool. Yeah, and I just want him to grow up, like, guilt-free. You know, I yes. don't want him to not oh. hit his sister because Jesus wouldn't like it. Like, don't hit her because, <laughs> like, that hurts her, and Mama's going to get that ass if you... <laughs> no, JK, I don't hit my kids. I really Disclaimer. Don't. I'm against that. Um, but, but yeah, like, I think that I'm, I'm just so thankful, though, that I'm in a space where he can, you know, both of them can learn to be good people because they understand empathy and compassion and Mm -hmm. they're not afraid of anyone condemning them to hell or, you know, all sorts of strange things. Fire. (laughs) (laughs) Mostly the fire. Yeah. (laughs) Um, If you could go back and like undo, Mm -hmm. like never have gone through the church, would you? That's a tough one. Um, You know, I think that I I would have I would I would go I would go through the church, but I would I I wish that I would um, have valued my own thoughts and intuition and peace more. Yeah. You're speaking straight into my soul. Yeah. Like, I think that it's kind of, like, I, I think that it's kind of silly to say, like, I wish I didn't have this experience. I wish, I mean, it's fine. I, I could have had the experience because I do think that it has brought me to this place of, like, complete rebellion, you know, and, like, really yeah. finally figuring out who I am and what I want. And I don't think that I, you know, I'm a pretty stubborn person, so I probably probably just would have stayed transfixed, you know, as I am for a really long time. But I think that, yeah, it probably would have been a very, it would have been a lot shorter had I, you know, given weight to my own voice and my own thoughts and questions mm. and mm. ideas and health. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <sighs> <laughs> Is there anything that you wish I would have asked you? Oh my gosh. Um, Or anything that you think people really misperceive about like your experience or why you left that mm -hmm. you want to take a chance to? Um, I don't know. This is really hard. Like, um, and this is, I mean, this is in no way equivalent to like a sexual coming out. I mean, it kind of, I mean, I've learned a lot about that too. Yeah, <laughs> I've learned a lot, about, a lot about that. You know, with myself too. Um, but it feels like I'm outing myself in a sense. You know, because I have not come out and said like, "Hey guys, I don't know what I am anymore." Mm-hmm. You know. Um, so I think the only thing that I wish that people knew is that I believe that life is it's a long journey. It's a long process. And I am, this is where I am in my journey and in my process. And it's a scary place to be because I am kind of doing away with an identity that I have held on to for so long. Um, And I think especially being a black woman, like when people think about 
for the most part, you know, stereotypically a black person is a, a Christian person, you know, and I think it feels very scary to announce to, you know, my black friends, especially like, yeah, I don't know if I'm on that Jesus tip anymore, mm-hmm. you know, like it's kind of scary. Mm-hmm. Um, but just to know that I am on this journey and I don't know where I'll be five years from now. And the most important thing that I value now is my health and my authenticity. And so this is just, just this is just what that is right now. I don't know. And I find a lot of beauty and a lot of freedom in that. And I feel the most I feel the freest that I've ever felt right now. Well, I can't think of a better (laughs) note to end on than that. Thanks for being as honest as you always are um, and for being yourself in a way that gives other people permission to do the same. Uh, Okay. (laughs)